0: A neighborhood hospital, part of a healthcare network in financial trouble. It was a lifeline to the local community, and its only hope for survival was to merge with another hospital group. Until the government tried to block the deal.
1: An administrative agency, lawyers sitting in D.C., sort of telling people in Philadelphia what's best for them. That's a frustrating dynamic.
0: We'll follow a group of expert lawyers and litigators from Hogan Lovell's who fought an uphill battle to prove that saving this hospital was a matter of life and death. I'm Kate Stetson, and this is Proof in Trial, Episode 4, Federal Trade Commission et al. versus Thomas Jefferson University and Albert Einstein Healthcare Network. 150 years ago, immediately following the Civil War, a small hospital opened its doors to patients in Philadelphia. The hospital offered something unusual at the time. It promised to care for the sick or wounded, regardless of their race or religion. That was how the Einstein Healthcare Network and its commitment to the community began. Over the years, it grew to include several hospitals, specialists and medical staff, and a rehabilitation center, all connected by that same founding mission— to care for all. Today, the Einstein Healthcare Network is part of the fabric of the city, a city that Steve Loney knows well. He's the managing partner of Hogan Lovell's Philadelphia litigation team, and he was born and raised in the area. Steve bought his first house right next door to Moss Rehabilitation Facility, part of Einstein's network, and he commutes into the office past one of its medical centers.
2: That main acute care hospital in North Philadelphia that I drive past on my way to work is in a pretty depressed area of the city. And it's a fixture in the community. And given the dynamics and demographics of the geographical area around that hospital over the past 50 years or so, it is critical to providing care to the most vulnerable Philadelphians.
0: For a lot of folks in the surrounding neighborhoods, Einstein Medical Center is the only way to access health care. Many can't afford a doctor, and so hospital staff say patients come into the emergency room with everything from minor aches and pains to major illnesses. Einstein Health Network is also a big employer in the area, as Steve found out.
2: My wife is a uh, hairdresser in that neighborhood where Moss Rehabilitation Facility is, and I had no idea how many of her clients either worked at an Einstein facility or had family working at an Einstein facility.
0: Steve didn't know that Einstein was in financial trouble until he heard administrators announce that the hospital needed to merge with Jefferson Health, another group of hospitals and rehab facilities in Philadelphia. Later, when Einstein ended up in court over the deal and Steve started working on the case, he discovered just how important saving Einstein was to the wider community. His wife would come home with messages of support from her customers at the salon.
2: Once it became public that we were involved in this case and the position we were taking, she was getting thank you notes from her clients. We were getting, we got an increase in the the number of baked goods that we were getting from her clients because they were so thankful that we were doing this work to keep uh, these important facilities open.
0: But let's back up a little here. Before Steve got involved as a litigator on behalf of Einstein Healthcare, another Hogan Lovell's team had been hard at work on their behalf for some time.
3: My name's Lee Oliver and I'm a partner in the antitrust and competition group based out of Washington, DC. My role in the litigation itself was what I like to think of as a subject matter expert on antitrust issues in the hospital merger context.
0: Lee Oliver describes herself as something of an antitrust geek. Whenever companies want to merge, there's a government agency that gets to have a say first, the Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC. They enforce antitrust laws, the laws that ensure fair competition in the marketplace. The FTC has to decide if companies joining forces might be unfair to other similar businesses. Lee makes the case on behalf of the companies that want to merge.
3: As an antitrust lawyer that advises clients and works with clients doing transactions, I am often found, find myself in front of the FTC and the Department of Justice Antitrust Division, trying to advocate and persuade those agencies that the transaction my clients are doing is not anti-competitive it won't lead to anti-competitive effects. Obviously, those arguments are not always heard or not always agreed upon by the government agency.
0: Lee and her colleagues in the antitrust team spent months advocating to the FTC on behalf of Einstein Healthcare. They made the case that this hospital merger wouldn't be unfair to other healthcare services in Philadelphia. Here's Steve.
2: The government's theory in, the, in this case is that by creating these giant combined hospital systems, you're eliminating competition in the market. And once competition is eliminated in the market, that will result in prices raising. So that's sort of the, the basic antitrust theory that's not just particular to healthcare mergers, but in any merger.
0: And this healthcare merger was about more than just competition, as Lee painstakingly argued. She was joined by Justin Burnick, a partner in Washington, D.C., who focuses his practice almost exclusively on antitrust litigation. He says that the FTC was so focused on antitrust theory that they lost sight of what this deal actually meant to the people of Philadelphia.
1: Albert Einstein Medical Center is extremely important to the Philadelphia community. Their primary facility is located in North Philadelphia and serves an economically disadvantaged and underserved uh, population in that community. So there's a large Medicare, large Medicaid population, individuals who otherwise would not have access to high quality health care services.
0: And that core mission was part of the reason that Einstein was struggling financially.
1: Very often, the government does not compensate for Medicare, Medicaid patients at the level that's actually required to provide care for those patients. And very often those uh, hospitals have to offset the losses that they realize in that patient population with the commercially insured patients. And so if you're a facility that uh, has a very high uh, population of uninsured uh, individuals or Medicare, Medicaid patients, then you have a, a much smaller proportion of commercial revenue to offset the losses you have from that government business. And so that was driving um, recurring losses for some time in the community and a situation where without a partner that it could affiliate with that had more financial resources, they would be in a position where they actually had to start cutting services.
0: Even so, in February 2020, the Federal Trade Commission moved to block the merger between Einstein Healthcare and Jefferson Health saying it would reduce competition and increase healthcare costs in the region. Companies can challenge the FTC's decision in court, and that's exactly what Einstein and Jefferson did, but the odds were not in their favor. In fact, over the last two decades, the Federal Trade Commission had not lost a single hospital merger case.
1: Whenever you have um enforcement action, a lawsuit that gets filed after a long, lengthy advocacy process, it can be a bit deflating for your team. You've worked extensively with your client that's facing these dire circumstances to try to convince the FTC that this is really important for this merger to go through to protect this population in Philadelphia. And then to have the, the FTC come back and say, no, we don't buy it. You know, we think that this is bad for consumers at the end of the day. You know, an an administrative agency, lawyers sitting in D.C. sort of telling people in Philadelphia, what's best for them. That's a frustrating dynamic. And then over top of that, you realize the enormous hurdle you have to catch up to speed with whether the FTC already is with the investigation, the ability to get documents from third parties and to conduct depositions. And it's drinking from a fire hose. And so it's a lot of work and it's an uphill battle.
0: An uphill battle for a team that now needed reinforcements. I'll let Steve pick up the story.
2: Justin Burnick and Lee Oliver, the antitrust partners on this case, brought in myself and Ginny Gibson, another litigation partner in Philadelphia, as the case was heading toward the preliminary injunction hearing. Once the case was heading toward trial in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, which is really in our backyard, a place where we know the court, we know the judge that the case was assigned to, and we know the, the hospitals and the players in the case quite well. Our opponents were led by a team of Federal Trade Commission lawyers who were mostly in D.C. and they know this type of case backwards and forwards, but they might not know the Philadelphia area as personally as we know it.
0: So Justin, Lee, Ginny, and Steve put this local knowledge to good use and began to gather documents from third parties and gather depositions to prepare for the case. But there was another hurdle to overcome. They needed to gather evidence in the middle of a pandemic from healthcare workers. The trial took place in October of 2020 in front of Judge Pappert, a federal district court judge for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. To Ginny Gibson, a partner at the Philadelphia office of Hogan Lovells, Judge Pappert's courtroom was familiar yet strangely
4: different under the circumstances of social distancing. And. If you can picture a very large high-ceilinged room, all dark wood paneling judge up on his bench with a limitation in the courtroom to only 20 people in this very large room at a time. And uh, the witness stand was not what we normally see with right next to the judge, but the witness stand became the jury
0: box. It was only the second major hearing in the courtroom since the pandemic began, and the only one with multiple witnesses. The lawyers quickly had to get used to a new way of working based on technology that was not always reliable, as Justin explains.
1: I think as a litigator, you know, and not just in this case, but every case going into the pandemic, you think, oh, man, there's no way this is going to work. How can I conduct depositions through Zoom? How can I manage litigation practice? You have to focus hard on the technology. You have to focus very hard on communicating through video in a way that you never would have before. And it all works pretty well until it doesn't. (laughs) And you have issues at trial where a witness just can't get logged on. They've got a low bandwidth issue or their screen goes blank or they're on mute. All of these little things that you don't normally have to think about. And then you're live in front of a judge in court and you have a technical issue and you have to to make it happen.
0: Despite the technical challenges, the Hogan Lovell's lawyers were able to put witnesses on the stand. Witnesses who were passionate about saving a hospital that at that time was treating the highest number of COVID patients in the Philadelphia region. Witnesses who risked their own health to come into
4: the court. We had um, 20 witnesses come in, 17 of them came in live to testify and those who came in to testify were primarily uh, the Albert Einstein witnesses and the Thomas Jefferson University Health System witnesses. And at least two of our witnesses were immunocompromised themselves, we were all unvaccinated. We wore masks. Um, We limited the number of people in the courtroom. Nonetheless, um, there was a real risk to those people, but to them, it was important for them to come in and let the court know just how important this merger was to Albert Einstein and how important it was to keep the hospital open, serving these many patients. The lawyers
0: explained to the court that other safety net hospitals that served Philadelphia's poorest communities had been forced to close. Hahnemann Hospital had shut in 2019. Ginny presented the testimony of the chief executive officer of Einstein Healthcare Network, Barry Friedman, who'd been with the company for almost 20 years. He explained that this merger and this partnership with Jefferson really was
4: the last chance. He presented to the court the passionate dedication that he and the entire leadership team and board of Albert Einstein Healthcare System, the doctors, the nurses to the, you know, every single member of the Albert Einstein community of employees uh, had to the mission of keeping the North Philadelphia Hospital open and carrying through its um, 150 year long tradition of treating all who needed care at their doorstep. It was passionate, it was compelling, and uh, the court did not even interrupt Mr. Friedman one time. The court was rapt when listening to him and his testimony. He also um, described the years-long effort to find a merger partner who was willing to keep the Philadelphia Hospital and the Philadelphia Mission going. It came down to, after many, many potential merger partners, only one was willing to dedicate the resources to keep that mission strong and open and going. In contrast, the Federal Trade Commission
0: lawyers relied heavily on economic evidence to prove their theory that the merger would reduce competition and push up prices. But the numbers didn't add up to the reality. The Hogan-Lovell's team demonstrated that the facts on the ground didn't support the FTC's economic theory. It was essential for the court to consider the Philadelphia healthcare marketplace and the importance of preserving high-quality access to medical care for one of the poorest urban communities in the country. This narrative, plus the overwhelming evidence that Jefferson and Einstein would continue to face competition across a broader geography, was compelling.
1: It was very clear where the battle lines were being drawn. The FTC was pushing the presumption that if they can come up with their mathematical formula that shows that concentration had increased significantly, that was enough. And the judge should just pause the transaction, issue the preliminary injunction. And we took a very different approach and said, you know, that economic analysis is misleading. It overlooks key competitors that are in the marketplace.
0: It's unusual for both parties in the courtroom to give a closing argument uninterrupted, but in this case, Judge Pappert announced that he had reserved the whole day to question the lawyers to make sure he got the answers he needed to write his decision. This format was unusual, but the Hogan-Levels team had prepared. Justin stood up along with co-counsel representing Jefferson Health. Throughout the day, the FTC lawyers crowded around their table in increasing numbers to field unexpected questions, while Justin stood calmly, alone with just a co-counsel, fielding question after question the entire day.
1: It was a thrilling opportunity. As an antitrust lawyer, you know, you love to have this opportunity. When a judge really digs in and wants to understand the law and the facts, that should be an opportunity for you.
0: For Lee, it was one of the most thrilling exchanges she had ever witnessed as a lawyer.
3: Once he started firing questions off to the attorneys, for me, it was exciting and fun and exhilarating because it was the culmination of probably a year and a half of my work and the arguments I'd been making, first at the government in the investigation phase, and then in preparing for the hearing, and then in the hearing, all coming together in one day of argument and frankly debate between the two sides. It was just really fun to hear smart lawyers arguing on our side, and with a judge who was fully engaged in the subject matter, in the case, in the facts and the evidence, it was really sort of rewarding to see all of that come together.
0: The result of that hard 18 months long work was Judge Papert's decision on the case. When it finally came, it arrived quietly, just a ping on the computer.
4: In this electronic world, we heard about the judge's decision to deny the injunction to stop the merger electronically by a posting on the uh, court's electronic docketing system called PACER. A shout was heard around Philadelphia and D.C. when we all got that electronic notice that we had won. I think I must have received about 50 emails all within 30 seconds of each other from colleagues who all received and saw the result. Lawyers are taught to think about risks and what could interfere with what you want to do and of course, We always prepare ourselves for a loss, but we knew how incredibly important this was to be able to merge for our client. And we were thrilled. We were shouting. We were calling clients. We were sending messages to each other and really filled with joy that we were able to achieve this result for Einstein and its patients. Lee and her colleagues on the antitrust team
0: believe the pressures of the pandemic will probably lead to more healthcare facilities and financial difficulties and more hospitals needing to merge.
3: I don't take away from this case that the government agencies are going to be less rigorous in their investigations or evaluations of healthcare transactions. That's absolutely not the case. And I've seen it day in and day out since the Einstein decision. The level of rigor and scrutiny over healthcare transactions continues at a very rapid and intense clip. I do think though when agencies go to challenge transactions, particularly hospital mergers, they are going to need to reevaluate the strength of their evidence and the strength of the witnesses they bring to a hearing or to a trial.
0: But for Einstein Healthcare, for the community in Philadelphia that Steve and his wife are a part of, this win represents a lifeline.
2: The loss of that particular facility in North Philadelphia would have been devastating to people who were already devastated. Everybody was delighted um, and, you know, it felt like we had, uh, you know, it was clearly an important victory and it was one that we by no means counted on heading in. Among those in the general public in the Philadelphia community who were following this with interest, I think they were of the mind that this merger has to go through, right? That this there's no way that the government should stop this merger the judge has to make the right decision but on the law and given the government's win streak in these types of cases we knew as lawyers that it was by no means a layup and so there was a sense of relief obviously among our team but also among those who are following this case with interest when the judge did make the right decision
0: You can find more information about our premier litigation team at HoganLevels.com. I hope you'll join us for the next episode of Proof in Trial. Until next time, I'm Kate Stetson, and thank you for listening.